0: This week on Dig Me Out, 80s Metal. With your hosts, Jason Ziak, Tim Menichi, and Chip Midnight.
1: Hello and welcome to the third episode of Dig Me Out, 80s Metal. Join us at Patreon to become a member of the Metal Union at DMOunion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Gentlemen, Chip, J, and I, Tim. We <laughs> and I. I figure we should we,
2: we make up Voltron.
1: <laughs> assemble in the form of uh well I, I we should probably uh you know, I guess, I guess, I guess people know by now it's the third episode who we are, what we're doing here. We don't well, have to explain maybe, it anymore. Maybe this
2: is their first episode.
1: Could be. We're, we're, we're going back to the 80s. Third time. Here this we go. This is the charm right here. Yep. And uh, we're talking about metal. First time, Tesla. It was starting to ease us in. Know what I mean? Like, that was the one. It wasn't super obscure, but it was not on everybody's yep. radar. Right. And then Ingve, which I got multiple corrections on my pronunciation, <laughs> not Yingve, Ingve. <laughs> Thank you everybody. Who would like to share whose pick was this?
2: I think it was yours.
1: me? Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay.
2: I'm pretty sure it wasn't mine. Was it yours Jeff? It was not mine. Okay, it was
1: yours Tim. Oh, okay. then I, picked I mean I this... know
2: we we voted on it, but or, uh, the patrons vote on it, but
1: I I well I, so I guess I picked bum, 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 and it was voted on Psycho Cafe by Bang Tango. I'm going to be honest, I picked it simply based on the name of the band. Uh, (laughs) that's what i figured i i did not know i know they have a there's this album after this and i think there's a power ballad on that one and that's how i know the name of the band but i don't think i'd ever listened to this album before other than to see if it had a a a power ballad on it to like go through and see and i went nope no power ballad so
2: you you should plug your book what are you talking about there so people know you're talking about
1: i'm talking about power ballad a definitive guide to hard rock softer side Let's see. Is is Bang Tango in here? Uh, let's see, Bang Tango. Yep, page one thirty nine. Uh, one thirty nine says, "What's the song that we did here, buddy? What would we do? This is what ten years ago." Yeah, this is from Dancing on Coals, which I believe is their next album, right? Yeah, ninety one. Yep. Um, and it was the song Midnight Struck. It's a very short entry. It's like two sentences. Uh, there is absolutely no reason for this song to be seven minutes long, other than to torture me. Mission accomplished. I should, I should fail it for that ridiculous length. But seeing as Bang Tango couldn't muster another power ballad, I'm going to give this give him this one. So
2: I, I'm not sure that's even a power ballad. I'd have to re listen to it. But I, I'm a big fan of that record.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Chip. What's Spoiler. your familiarity with uh, Bang Tango?
0: I mean, as you guys know, and I think me and Jay are going to have kind of the similar story. Is uh, very familiar. Um, this album came out in. May 1989, Chip Midnight graduated high school in June 1989. So this was like a high school summer album for me. I mean, cassette. I bought the cassette, but uh, very familiar. I actually bought the EP that came out before called Live Injection. I will tell you that I still have the cassette, but I will also tell you I haven't had a working cassette player in 30 years, so I don't remember (laughs) at all what it sounds like. Is that streaming? uh, I don't think it is. Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah, because I... So my history, what I saw the video probably for someone like you, I never bought this album. I think I bought the EP because it was cheaper. <laughs> I would have been in like just starting high school or junior high at this time. So, you know, I was trying to figure out how do I get my rock cheap either on Memorex cassettes or the the dollar bin. So I think I got the EP um, and knew some of the songs from that and didn't get this record. I didn't tend to buy stuff that was huge on MTV because I felt like, oh, I can just listen to it for free on MTV. Uh, and then I got Dancing on Coles when it came out in 91, which I mentioned, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of that.
0: And then I lost track of the
2: band after And Tim, that.
0: you said already, like you only picked it because of the name. So I suspect that your familiarity only is more recent.
1: Yeah, like I listened to the the songs just scanning through in order to try to find a power ballad. 10 11 years ago 12 years ago but i never actually like dove into the record to listen to it i just think that bang tango is a is a fun name um i'm gonna admit i'm surprised that this album came out in 1989 i thought this was like a mid 80s record uh so we'll get into that later but what's so i'm curious who's in this band is there anybody that i would know that went on to be like in another band after this or anybody famous or is it just come and gone so
0: uh, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, the singer Joe Liste, I think that's how you say his last name. Um, after bang tango, he, he started a band called was the beautiful creatures. That's not right. Yeah. And, and I feel like that band might've had a little bit of success, mm-hmm. uh, not huge, not huge by any means, but I think they had a little success, but, but yeah, no, the, 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 the guys that make up the original lineup, you would not know. They did not go on to do much. And similar to the LA Guns uh, member list on Wikipedia, they have a list of people that have played with them. Even amongst those people, you probably don't know many of them, but I will say the one person you, well, I actually don't know if you know this, Jay, but no, Rowan Robertson, who played, yep. he was like a Dio's protege guitar player that Dio brought into the band at like 17 years old after uh, Vivian Campbell left. He played with quite, uh, quite right? He played with Bang Tango for a little while. Um, like I said, they've had a, just a revolving door of, like, like when I was looking at their Wikipedia list of band members, I started scrolling, and then I realized that the first thing said, like, drums, and there was, like, 15 guys. Like, it wasn't even. Yeah. Connected.
1: I'm looking at it now. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, music geeks like myself, I recognize some of the names. Trent Anderson was on drums, and he played in some Chicago bands in the 90s. Ray Luzier. Yeah. I've I I played drums for a year. Uh, Alex wow. Grossi. Alex Grossi, yeah, uh, is in. He Alex Grossi has basically kept the Quiet Riot name alive for the last twenty years, and he is, he is the long-standing Quiet Riot member in Quiet Riot today. But he was in Bang Tango. Um, what other name? Probably not a lot of other recognizable names.
2: I just know the bass player's name is Kyle. Kyle.
0: Yes. Oh wow! It is. Yes.
2: <laughs> that's not really his
0: last name, but that was his stage name. Oh. They got some interesting names in this band.
2: There's two Kyles, right? There's Kyle Kyle yes. and Kyle Stevens or something. Stevens.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Kyle too. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Can you do a history of the band for us, Chip?
1: History of
0: the band. Yeah. Yeah. So again, like sort of my memory of them is 89 came out when I was in high school. I think they formed uh, a year earlier, 88. From what I was reading, it was Mark Knight who plays guitar and Kyle, Kyle, who plays bass, who started the band. Hmm. I, I I don't I can't find any I can't find any. um I didn't do a ton of research to be honest, but uh, apparently Joe Leste was recommended by a guitar player who has this name that if you if you say it if you pronounce it the way it's Amir Amir Darock. So kind of like I'm here to rock Amir Darock, <laughs> right? Um, stage name. He was in a band called Rough Cut. He was Come, in a band yep. called Jailhouse. And then Amir actually, I think was maybe one of the founding members of orgy. So he, that guy changed careers quite a bit, he went from metal to industrial stuff, but he, he apparently turned the guys on to Joe's vocals. And so it was Joe, Mark, Kyle, Kyle. They also had Kyle Stevens, as you mentioned on guitar and a drummer named Tig Kettler. Uh, again, I don't know where these guys came from. I think they were based in LA.
2: Yeah.
0: First album came out in 89, uh, Preceded by the EP, which also came out in '89, but I couldn't find a release date for that. It was produced by Howard Benson, who '80s hair metal people wouldn't recognize his name. I don't have at my fingertips all the bands he produced, but he he was a pretty in-demand producer back in those days. They put out the record uh, on MCA, which you know I think over the course of this podcast we're going to get into mm-hmm. kind of MCA trying to trying yeah. to bring some bands in and trying to trying to start something. They didn't have a ton of success on MCA. They signed a lot of bands, but yeah. not a lot of them did much.
2: There were MCA's a big bargain bin cutout label. It seems like yeah. every time I reach a, would reach in there as a kid, it would be an MCA record.
0: Yeah. So this album actually, I think you know, this is a long time ago, so I don't, you know, I don't know what these numbers mean, but it uh, it did hit number fifty eight on the Billboard Top two hundred rock albums. Not bad. Um, I saw that it was number thirty seven on Rolling Stone's Top fifty hair metal albums of all time. Again top 50 that's considering that as i as i mentioned to you guys uh offline and discord we probably have a good 15 years worth of stuff to cover at least um so to end up in the top 50 is pretty good and i don't know i don't remember seeing them on this tour at all um but i did see that they tour with like cheap trick rat LA Guns, bullet boys like those kind of bands but i don't know i don't know the extent of that touring i don't know if it was you know, cheap trick seems kind of weird to me, but I think a lot of those mm-hmm. bands kind of played some shows with the cheap trick in that time period, but maybe not like full tours, maybe a couple of shows here and there. And, um, dancing on goals came out in 91. We're here to talk about psycho cafe, but like a, a you know, kind of a, abridged bridged version of what happened after that. They, Kyle Stevens left in 93. You guys on the nineties podcast talk a lot about kind of that, that changing face of music by 96. I think or ninety five, 95 Tang it was done. Um, I, I don't know what led to it, but they got back together a year later. Uh, Joe and Kyle Kyle reformed Bang Tango '96. Then they broke up again a few years later, and then it's just kind of been an on again, off again start stop. Mainly Joe, yeah. uh, almost always just Joe with with these hired guns that show up on that Wikipedia page. Uh, there was a so I did find a couple of interesting things, and I and I knew about these from reading different metal like Metal Sludge and Blabbermouth and stuff. There was a, they, they did do a one reunion show in 2006, with the original members, and then, uh, I was in, in and I do vaguely remember this in 2010, the band got back together without Joe. And so mm. there was two bang tangos and they called it oh. bang tango. Um, I don't know how you say this. Redo redux. Rebound. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. Uh,
2: no. <laughs> they no, two no, shows no. without.
0: Yeah. They played two shows without Joe. And then uh, mm. I guess that didn't go anywhere. Uh, in 2015, there was a documentary that was filmed called "Attack of Life." The guy, oh, that, so yeah. this is crazy too. The guy that filmed it ended up joining the band as a guitarist afterwards, or maybe even during it. Um, he could not get all the clearance on all the songs, so the out the, the 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 documentary never came out. He ended up uploading it to YouTube. The guy that made it, right? I, I was reading. It's at um. It's at uh, 480 dpi. You're right <laughs> which which on the wikipedia page says that that's like the fourth fourth worst or fourth lowest resolution but uh it's yeah. out there i've seen it um you know it documents an 80s hair metal band in 2015 and it's as kind of as sad as as you might think it is not necessarily yeah. like but path, not pathetically sad but just like these guys are just trying to make ends meet and uh it's it's a hard it's a hard life in twenty fifteen. right um they I were actually uh look yeah, I, was, I haven't right. looked to see if it's still out there. I'm assuming it's still on YouTube. It's called Attack of Life. And then I guess the one other thing I'll say is that, uh, and I don't know if this ever happened. In 2020, there was talk of them, or in 2019, there was talk of them reuniting the original lineup. And they were supposed to do some shows in 2020. We all know what happened in 2020. So I don't I don't think those shows ever happened. Yeah. And that, I think that was the last of the original lineup reunion talk. And this is
2: a late signing, right? This is an eighty-nine record. I think this if they form an eighty-eight, this sounds like it was I'm gonna guess fairly rushed. Like
0: that's what it feels we're at, like. We're at yeah. the point
2: where like labels are just trying to find bands to catch the MTV wave and
0: you know, it guys that look that good and
2: have the look and have the right name and like putting out records
0: and kind of like the late there's 90s. Like not a, there's like not a ton of history about them. Like they didn't they didn't start mm-hmm. in other bands, like they weren't in bands that split off and became this band or that band like they i again i don't remember i don't remember their formation or or that time period but um yeah i'm guessing they they were maybe a little bit younger than some of the other people being signed around that time
2: they were one my memory of them is uh you know i was a big reader of the rock magazines at the time metal edge and hip raider and circus and that sort of thing and you would usually if you were like super into those magazines you would know when albums were coming out and when new bands were going to be breaking and so you, you you could anticipate when videos were gonna start to appear if you were in tune with you know what was going on in those magazines. My memory of this band is like they weren't in those magazines. Like one day I just turned on MTV and like they were just there. Someone like you was just like on dial M T V or whatever that show was, that countdown show they would do at the end the at like four or
0: five o'clock every day. And like that video was just there and they were just like appeared. So Jay, you were reading those magazines and you, you know, about that time period as I was listening to this again. And, and I, I do listen to this album on occasion. I mean, this is not a foreign album to me. I I'm pretty familiar with it. The thing that strikes me about bang tango is that it wasn't like the eighties wrapped up East coast, West coast rivalry, but there was like, there were different sounds, right? The the West coast seemed to be more party time, more beer drinking, more sex sex beer and rock and roll. Uh a lot of singers following the formula with the blonde hair. Mm-hmm. And then the East the East Coast had more like the Skid Rose and the Spread Eagles and the bands that seemed a little bit more uh street savvy. Um mm-hmm. again, I'm not I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but seemed more like more drugs than beer, more uh songs about life than it about getting laid. Uh, not as much like spandex and bright colors, but more leather and black. <laughs> Bang Tango sounds and looks like an East Coast band. If if you were kind of separating the two, I mean, these guys. I mean, Joe does not have big poofy hair. He's he's got long hair, but not big poofy hair. Yeah. None of the guys. None of the guys wore like bright lipstick and 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 neon colors. I mean, they were just a a, a fashionable band, but definitely not a uh, like a hair metal like that you'd expect to see as a hair.
2: Yeah, they, I think to me, they, they're a good example of like the, the late 80s, particularly like 89, 90. You know, the bands start to take like the, the Cinderella cue where it's like they either start dressing like cowboys <laughs> or there's this look, which is like the paisley shirts that are unbuttoned and like long hair, but it's just like straight. Yeah. And, you know, they're not wearing makeup, but they're still, you know, good looking no guys. Place. Right. Um, and the imagery is just a little toned down. You know, It's a, they're wearing jeans instead of, you know, spandex, that sort of thing. And then, yeah, you had, like, the more the East Coast look, like you mentioned, which is, you know, more leather jackets and a little more street, like, torn T-shirts and stuff. But that was, I feel like that's pretty typical by, like, 89. Most of the bands started to head in that direction. And then, like, even through the early 90s, a lot of these bands, you know, before the flannel thing starts, well, I mean, shit. Um, uh, oh, man. What's the name of that band? Trickster was the first band oh, I ever yeah. saw wear flannel, <laughs> which is funny. Um, but that's another example, right? That's like an 89, 90 record. You know, East Coast guys. Yeah, they're all good-looking guys or whatever, but they're wearing flannel shirts and jeans. They're not wearing spandex and teased out hair.
0: So, so we'll get into this. Like feels like, the like sound pretty typical everything.
2: for the, the late eighties.
0: But here's the here's the other thing. Even back then, here's kind of how I pictured Bang Tango. Because you're right, they weren't popping up in all the mag. I mean, they did once the album came out, but they weren't like they weren't being promoted early. I always put them in sort of this this category of bands that could be on MTV's Headbangers Ball, but maybe maybe on 120 Minutes. Bands that could be in Metal Edge, but didn't have to. Like I put them in this box in my head with bands like The Cult and like Billy Idol. like Mm -hmm. these these artists that are hard rock sounding but aren't considered hard rock bands like bang tango always kind of had that feel to me like they weren't they they weren't the big hair stuff right yeah i i think that but it's funny that tim probably doesn't have that
2: impression because the name the name is so stereotypical feeling like in terms of a 80s metal band name but i agree they're more in that billy idol cult space to me from a sound standpoint
0: and, and, Mm. and again um you know, uh, I told lost what I was going to say. Never mind. That's okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't do a ton of research, so I don't know where the name came from. But, you know, Ted Nugent had a song called Wango Tango. Yeah. there was a band that falls into the hair metal stuff. I have their CD, but I haven't listened to it in 30 years, called Bang Gang from Seattle. I think they're from Seattle. So, like, I don't know that it has anything to do with either of those bands. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I was I was trying to figure out if it had anything to do with Wango Tango by Ted Nugent. Or oingo boingo. Oingo boingo, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, we want to get into what works, what doesn't work on Do this it, record. Let's
2: yeah, get into the music. Um, I'll start. You know, I like the like I said, I'm a I'm a bigger fan of the, the next record or I'm more familiar with it, but I can hear on this record the pieces and parts that make this band unique. Um okay. I can hear on this record what makes this band unique. The one thing that pops out to me is, is the bass lines. Uh, It's not an overly guitar driven record, which you would think or might expect, you know, most of the bands that we're going to cover are guitars first and vocals first. This to me sounds like, at least from a songwriting standpoint and an emphasis, you know, some of these songs are very bass oriented, you know, good solid bass lines, they let, them stand out in the verses often you know a lot of the verses tend to be the baseline maybe some intertwining guitar riffs but a good amount of space and then joe's vocal which is the second part that stands out he's kind of this mix of billy idol meets Axel rose all within the same song sometimes within the same line so you can do like this deep croony kind of singing uh you hear it more on the record after this but On this record, you can you can definitely hear it, and then he can do like the high, you know, head voice falsetto style singing like Axel Rose does, and obviously he's making famous at this point. Um, by '89, it's pretty cemented that style of singing, so he's able to do both of those. That's really effective when you're trying to like create a moody verse and then create a big explosive chorus that you know is hooky. It's good to have a singer that can do that with this kind of format. There's some solid choruses on here. Obviously, someone like you, I think, is a really well-written chorus. It's got a lot of movement to it. Uh, it's got a couple different parts to it. It's you know sophisticated. It's just not like gang vocal shouting things. Wrap um, my wings, I think, is another good chorus on this record. Uh, Breaking up a heart of stone is a solid chorus. You know, so they're doing that right, right? I mean, I think for this for this genre, you want big, powerful choruses and, and they're able to deliver that, um, you know, in, in spots across this record for sure. So I think you can, you can definitely hear some unique ideas here. They're bringing some almost goth feeling things at times. Um, you can hear some of the moodier parts in the verses and sort of the way he's singing. Um, you're, you're hearing obviously some heaviness from the guitars, but you're also hearing some funk elements, um, both from the bass lines and from the guitars, which I think is a pretty uh, different thing to be doing in '89, you know, for this these types of bands. Um, obviously, there's alternative bands that are starting to do this or have been doing it with the Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction, but um, they're starting to maybe take in those same influences. You can kind of hear that, you know, percolating through this record. So it's like that type of experimentation with, you know, big rock sounds like. Guns N' Roses or Billy Idol or, you know, that sort of thing. So um, it's an interesting mix of of different styles here. You can hear, to me, it sounds like a band, you know, trying to find their sound and, you know, in spots in this record, they really hit it and it comes together into something uh, pretty unique for the time. And I think still stands up pretty well now. Uh, What work for you, Chip?
0: So again, like I'm uh, this, I know this album really well. I, I, like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like I would have said this six months ago that I know it really well, but listening to it, I know it really well. I I listened to it a lot back in the day. And like I said, I still listen to it every once in a while. I've seen them live a couple of times, even in the last five or 10 years. They're, they're one of those, um, there's probably like 10 to 12 bands that are sort of the road dogs that are kind of always on tour. And at least for a while, I don't know if they still are, but for a while they, they came through Columbus a few times. So I got to see them a couple of times. Um, you know, looking back, someone like you is how I discovered them. I'm sure there was a video on MTV that made me be like, oh, I got to go buy this cassette. Mm-hmm. That song is so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, as I was thinking about it, you know, 30 plus years, they definitely I, like they definitely take cues from Guns N' Roses and Arrows, which I don't think I thought I don't think I, I didn't make that connection until uh, last week. You know, like <laughs> right, the vocals. Right. I'm, I'm like, man, he's got this, he's got this voice. And I, who do I compare it to And then I start, I, I try to put myself in a different listening mode. And I'm like, I'm listening to these songs. I'm going to listen to these songs as if they are guns and roses songs and how do they work? Someone mm. like you has a really distinct opening guitar part, Yeah, but that's almost like sweet child of mine. I mean, it's, you know, different, oh, yeah. different notes and stuff, but it's kind of got that same, you know, just, a, mm-hmm. it's not like chords. It's just, I'm not, a, I'm not yeah. a musician, so I don't know how to describe it. Um mm-hmm. but then it the, the guitar like you said drops and then you get this bass like I never play in my car I never play air bass I only play air guitar <laughs> right but I play air bass to someone like you cuz it's like got this like this is cool like groove to it <laughs> And then the chorus is great. Uh, Wrap My Ring. So let's go back to the first song, Attack of Life. I think it's like the Tesla album, right? It opens with like this bass that I was like, oh, wait, it's got a little bit of funky bass. And Mm -hmm. and like the Tesla album, Attack of Life is sort of like the perfect opening song. Like it starts off kind of, you know, builds and it builds. And then you get to hit like Joe's vocals, like right when they hit, like there's no holding back. Like you get the full Joe vocals from the second you listen to that song, the first song. I do have some more thoughts, but I want to ask you guys having been in a band and probably I'm I'm assuming you guys had the dreams of making it like major label stuff, right? Mm Sure. Sure. So what struck me about a band like this, and about a lot of bands from this time period, is when you're in that moment of like hoping to get a record deal, and hoping for this to be a career, do you think about, like I can't imagine that he was thinking that his voice would last 30 years singing that way. Like to me it seems like he went all out on this, like, I, I don't know how he like... I don't know how he could do that every night on tour. Like his vocals are just so, uh, sc- not screamy, but they're so that Axel Rose, that just like yeah, that yeah. that that quality, Axel Rose quality. That, like I don't I don't know how you can do that, and I don't know how you can have a long career doing that. Like I feel like you'd rip your throat to shreds and be done after an album.
2: Well, I mean, Axel's had a pretty well known history of trying to <laughs> maintain that voice, and at times losing it, and having to work hard to get it back. And yeah. yeah, it's it's um. When you listen to, particularly "Attack of Life," because you're right, he comes right out of the gate and just he doesn't ease into it. It's like, boom! This is me at 11. Like, I'm just gonna give you all the the the,
0: the full on scream. But I'm sure, like when you're 24, you're not like, I better oh, no. take it soft now because I'm 30 years from now going to be singing. You're like, I want to. This hit might him be the only record. That, yeah. yeah, I want to give him. A, I want to give him a black eye the second <clears> they hear me. Like that's what I'm going for, right? But right. um wrap my wings i mean again you've got like so i think tim you mentioned that you have very little experience with faster pussycat uh, i actually know faster
1: pussycat better than this
0: okay. so like wrap my wings to me sounds like faster pussycat don't stop now totally sounds like faster pussycat to me like in fact when i heard it again listening for this episode as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh, wait, I thought this was on Faster Pussycat's first album. Like, it, it took me a second to realize that it was not on yep. Faster Pussycat. But Rat My Rings has that Faster Pussycat sound. The vocals that Jay was talking about, like, I was, tr- I was trying to figure out who to compare it to, and it wasn't Billy Idol. At the very beginning to me it sounded like the stray cats, like the stray cats mm. strut. Like it's kind of got this like, like this this like, and and he's singing this like low vocal stuff. But then, you know, you got the 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 song has multiple parts. Like they start screaming like I'm back, I'm back. Yeah, and then wrap my wings around your heart or whatever. Like that's a different. Like that song has like multiple parts, multiple memorable mm. parts in it. John wraps his wings A clear
2: glass cloud floats over my head I
1: float
0: this way, Don't be a thing I hear the echoes of my prayers. I fell down from floor 49 I hit the ground
1: going 55 Silent night
0: breaks my heart When I was scrolling through on Spotify, um, Breaking Up a Heart of Stone on Spotify had a little heart next to it, which means I must have added it to a playlist. So I think that was probably my favorite song. Uh, the guitars on that sounds like Steve Stevens. Uh, that's that got a little Billy Idol, um, mm. that kind of time period. Uh, Love Injection um, is funky. Like it reminds me of the Columbus band Royal Crescent Mob. Like it's got like that groove, that funk, that like party time. Um, yep. And then uh, do what you're told. Uh, the way it starts, I don't know if you guys, like as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, they're playing the Seinfeld theme.
2: Yeah, like, oh, he's playing slap bass on some some of yeah. this stuff, which is pretty different, I think. Yeah. That is very unusual for a
0: band. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, this yeah. to be doing. So yeah, that's, that's stuff that worked. Uh, let's, let's hear from the rookie. Okay. All right, Tim.
1: Well, you guys covered a lot of it. I, I do want to circle back you mentioned tammy down from fast pussycat yes i know the lead singer's name i also know brett Muscat, who's the guitar player uh nice. th- i did get hints of that and i think that's what i like because i do really like um some faster pussycat stuff we covered them at a power ballad night so i was familiar with them way back in the early 2000s even though i had not listened to them in the in the 80s um and i i had listened we i think we actually tried to cover bathroom wall in practice, and we could never quite get it right. Is that right, Jay? Didn't we try that?
2: Yeah. So I think what you're making <laughs> me think of is uh so fast Puskia brings a blues feel mm-hmm. to their yeah, stuff. Yeah. And we weren't good at that. Um no. but more relevant to this conversation, Bang Tango brings a jazz and funk feel to things. They don't yes. bring a blues thing, which is really it's interesting. Like they they can there's some songs in here where you can kind of hear they're similar to the the two bands are similar, but at their core, like they're coming from different places, which is...
1: Love Injection, if you just isolate that song and start it, you would think that's a Prince song. The beginning of that, the, the funk guitar and, and, and bass... <laughs> That is so unusual for this era and this type of band, and I think the secret weapon of this band is clearly Kyle Kyle, the bass player. Like he is doing really, really interesting stuff, always driving the songs, always pushing them in an interesting way. His bass lines are really good, um, and as someone who's played bass for a long time, like I, that's if I hear it right away, then I I know something's happening that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. He clearly knows how to play. I mean, he's playing slap bass, like you mentioned, which I'm not a huge fan of, but like that's hard to do. What he's doing, and he is he's there's just a lot of movement in his in his bass playing. It's not, and were they they were a five piece, so they had do they have two guitar players? Or were they a four piece?
0: Yeah, Kyle, Kyle piece. Stevens and Mark and Mark Knight. Yeah, two guitar players.
1: So I mean, he's balancing that with two guitar players too, which is really interesting and and difficult um i agree with you i think attack of life is is a great opener it's I, I call it a strut song it's got that strut feel like mm, mm, got that beat going like that's that's a great way to open the record um what's the what's the joe what's his name the the singer joe Este. so really interesting really
0: really, really quick yeah i was trying to figure out i was i was just uh, doing a quick uh doing some quick googling to see what where kyle kyle is or if he's been on other records and i can't find much but uh the bangtango.net site you know like the thing that shows up in google is probably whatever is in the header or, or you know whatever mm-hmm. the um the tag is that and it says bangtango dash funk soul and rock and roll there you go so i think even they know it too right they're, they're not writing <laughs> any of that stuff
1: yeah this is it's got a flavor to it that is not like what you would typically expect because you mentioned the you know at times he has a little bit of Billy Idol in his voice or or some Axl Rose I also heard some Steven Piercy from Rat there was some of that reminded me of, of his vocal I do feel like um it's pretty dramatic and and insane how he can go from what seems like a high vocal to a much higher vocal mm-hmm. and like you said, I don't know that he added any um, ambition beyond <laughs> this record. Like he put it all out there in terms of shredding his vocal because it is it's it's almost parody at points like it's so over the top. Um, but yeah, the guitar playing combined with the the, the the funk guitar and bass sound that happens is just so unusual that it makes me wonder like. If this had been marketed differently, if this had gone, you know, could this have been like a Chili Pepper style, Jane's Addiction style band instead of a hair metal band, essentially, or a glam metal band, even though they didn't quite look like that? I'm, You know, they were getting that
0: sort of attention, I guess. Yeah. Um, and it would be interesting to find out if they were if that was kind of in their blood. Or whether the label started seeing, but even by eighty nine, like, hey, you know, we've got these new bands, Jane's Addiction, Chili Peppers, Fishbone mm-hmm. coming out. We want you to have a long career. Let's see. Let's let's have you incorporate some of that. Or whether that's what they that that was their background. I I don't know the answer to that
1: because that al- I was looking at the album cover, like that can be an eighties glam metal band. It could also be a Fleetwood Mac cover. Like it's it's not like a particularly. Um, you know other than their pictures but like the font and the design and all that stuff and the colors like that could be uh that could be like a any other any kind of band it could, it could have yeah. been an electronic band depending on whose picture you stick up on that um, mm-hmm. it doesn't scream metal or hard rock no. so I don't I wonder what their thought process and you mentioning that they have soul and funk on their website like makes me think oh maybe they were a little bit more of that and then the producer that they got the guy who worked with all the you know metal like, bands howard benson
0: did like pretty boy floyd i know that's a, that's the one name i howard benson oh, did wow. do that's a pretty different I, sounding I, album i'm guessing he did a lot of the mca stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna look him up while you guys are chatting oh me. that would make sense yeah
1: so maybe like the their boy house floyd producer floyd. for Band. yeah
2: i've always thought of this is me just interpreting the music um i've always thought of Dancing on Coals is them really figuring out who they are. So to me, like spending time with both records, that album is more the full-on funk soul band with rock and roll. And this sounds like starting to figure out how to do that or what that sound is like. But then mm-hmm. also doing stuff that's going on in LA, like Fast Putski gets big. There's some stuff on here that sounds like them to me sweet little razor sounds like mr brownstone so you got some guns and roses stuff on here you know you've got some other la sounds in here that like shotgun man just sounds like a james gang style like riff like jam jam song <laughs> There's some other stuff on here where you're like hmm this just sounds like a band from la that's like filling out the record um i guess i'll transition that into what doesn't work <laughs> is that the second half of the record just feels like filler um there's a couple moments here you know do what you're told is pretty cool i mean that's the full-on funky pop and bass and um you know them really pushing that as much as they can on this record that sound uh but like sweet little razor like i said it sounds like them trying to rewrite Mr. Brownstone. Injections okay. Um doesn't stop now. Sounds like uh you know, a faster pussycat song that wouldn't have made the record, have made the record, shotgun just mailing it in, like just jamming something out and trying to, you know, so there's just like a lot of filler low-quality material on the second half of the album. Um they really come out and hit you in the face, and you know, there's a lot of attitude with attack of life. You get that brilliance um, chorus and guitar part, and someone like you, grab my wings shows this range. You know they they drop into that jazzy verse, and you're like, oh my god, what? You know this band is surprising me. I don't know where this is going to go now. You know, and breaking up a heart of stone, you know, solid rocker. It's got a little bit of a goth feel in there. So at that point in the record, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you can see the range. You can see why this band's so unique. And then it's just kind of disappointing for me. The second half of the record is like, mm, it just sounds like a band from L.A. So that that's largely what doesn't work is is just that some of that material is just not great. Anything that
0: worked for you, Chip? Uh we are totally in sync tonight. Um <laughs> all the songs you named again, I'll say it for the tenth time. That I this album does seem super familiar to me. Like I've listened to it a lot. When I was listening to it again recently, Shotgun Man, I'm like, I don't remember this song at all. Sweet Little Razor, <laughs> I'm like, I don't remember the song at all. Uh but all the other one like and, and what's weird is like Shotgun Man is in the middle of songs that I do know really well, mm-hmm. so I don't know if I skipped them or whether it just wasn't memorable. And uh, I don't think this counts as a power ballad, but just for you, oh, is no. just for crap, it's uh, <laughs> man, it that is ooh, that one is like he like even the like he doesn't even hit some of the notes. Like that's a rough yeah. song. I'm, I I listened to it once and I hope to never hear it again. I can't <laughs> just
2: think in my head, a little pitchy, bro. It's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is a cringy song.
1: It's not a power bell because there's no power. It would need like an electric guitar solo or something.
0: But again, just like you said, I mean, the things that don't work for me are the generic. And what's kind of maybe ironic and sort of funny is, I, Shotgun Man and Sweet Little Razor to me are probably the most Guns N' Roses sounding ones, and yet have the least. I have the least memory of those songs because they, just, to your point, they sound like just like everything else that was coming out, and there's nothing unique about where where they shine is when they do the unique stuff. The intro to Someone Like You, the mm-hmm. different the different parts of. Um, wrap my wings i mean that's where they that's where they stand out amongst their but when they don't stand out they they don't stand out at all yeah
2: it's it's interesting like it's um going back to the narrative i've constructed in my head of what was going on with this band is it sounds like typically what we hear especially in a lot of the 90s albums you know we we did a whole sophomore slump series on the 90s podcast because you have your life to write your first record you know it's this sort of the cliche and then you have six months to write the second record and usually that doesn't work out so well uh it doesn't feel like that's what happened with this band. It feels like this record maybe came together quickly or it hadn't the band hadn't matured quite yet and then by the time the second one comes out at least for me personally, that sounds like a mature band like we know who we are we know what we want to do we know what our sound is and this isn't're not quite
1: there yet I will Tim, say what doesn't that work for well, you I want to say though. I think there's a little charm to the fact that this is a little bit scattershot. Like, it's not as 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 focused as maybe the second record is that you're talking about, but I do like that they kind of do some weird things. Now, I agree with you. The, the stuff that sounds like blatant Guns N' Roses is <laughs> kind of lame. Like, it just... It doesn't <laughs> add anything. Um, I like when they go off in a weird direction, like with Love Injection. I mean, that's just fun i think you can have one of those kind of songs on your record um i don't really care for do what you're told that sounds to me like a chili peppers like song or something absolutely and i just it just doesn't work for me um it's an experiment that that doesn't quite work speaking of shotgun man this is going to be a weird comparison but because i've been listening to this band a while the main riff in shotgun man which has this like kind of you mentioned it like a James Gangish. kind of reminded me if you, if you uh, change the guitar tones and, and mix this differently and had a different singer almost sounds like rival sons. Uh, if you, if you listen to that, if you change yeah. that guitar to whatever, he's probably playing a, a Strat mm-hmm. here or something, you know, if you play that on a, on a Les Paul through a Marshall, that probably would not be too far off from a riff that they would play. Mm-hmm. Nothing else on here sounds like songs <laughs> but just that one riff in yeah. that song it was I was like, oh, this is kind of uh, this is kind of southern rockish. I don't know yep. James gang is it southern Rockish. I mean they were from Cleveland, right Yeah, but they had
2: they definitely had a uh, southern rock influence kind of groove going on
1: right um I don't always love his vocal. I mean like you mentioned like sometimes he's just not hitting the notes. Yeah, and it's yep. really obvious that you can't do. What
0: do, what, what do you call that vocal? Like, it's not scream. It's screechy, not screaming. Like it's just I don't know how it's to a describe. Screech, it. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's not because it's not a falsetto, and it's not. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of like Justin Hawkins from The Darkness. He gets into a big falsetto, um, and it's not like Bruce Dickinson's big operatic style vocal. It's it's the yeah, it's more like the the screech of, of Axl Rose, which I really feel like this time period is the only time that that's ever happened. Like that style of vocal. It seems like metal afterwards went with darker vocals and heavier guttural. vocals after.
2: Gets more guttural. Yeah. Yeah, I think when you, when you sing like that, um, you're singing more from your head as opposed to your lungs. And I don't think that... A lot of singers do that because you can't hit the high notes. These just sort of like get up and like up in here and to try to hit the high note, and like that's a technique to do it. And then I think yep. some seekers like Alex Ro- Alex Rose created a whole sound out of that. Yeah, you're right though. I think after this,
0: the not a lot of bands do that. I do. That's I, interesting. I, at some point, at some point, I hope we do get to um, the first Spread Eagle record because I think that that there's points on that Spread Eagle record, the first one that there's it doesn't quite hit the same screechy level but there's parts where he does hit some of that stuff but it's well but ba- it's not it's well balanced it's not the only bo- kind of vocals you hear on the record i think it's got a good balance this one is tim i agree with you there's there's a lot of it yeah it's I, like the ing playing fast right there's there's almost too much <laughs> you're kind of like i just want i just don't want to hear yeah. you screech this part just just uh
2: it, i mean it even sounds like he's trying to figure out his voice on this record you know there's some oh, yeah. parts where it works he hits it and then there's other parts where he'll transition and you're like, Ooh, that was, that was not good. Or there's whole songs like just for you where you're like, dude, don't to stop, stop. Very rarely, <laughs> again, you know, we, we listen to a lot of experimental records in the nineties podcast and like all kinds of wild stuff. And I can usually make it through a song, you know, uh, a couple times, but that
0: song is just, Ooh, he gets going to that definitely gonna see. I'm definitely going to see if there's any podcast uh interviews with Howard Benson, because again, Having no reference to this to this album, uh, I mean, Tim wrote a whole book about power ballads, right? And like every every band, all the hair metal, glam metal bands had the power ballad. Like, just for you may have been a song that they were working on, and somebody was like, "Hey, just play that acoustically. Let's just get that on the album because we have to have something slower." Like, it may not have been their choice. It might have been like we've yeah, got to put totally, something on here that slows totally. things down but um, I'm surprised that the, I'm almost surprised in
2: 89, the label released it without a full on power ballad. Yeah. Like I think you're right, Chip. I think it's very possible that they were just screwing around the studio and they were like, we got to get something acoustic on here. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I'm kind of show surprised. your
0: range. Yeah.
2: I'm surprised they didn't push hard even harder. And the label didn't just say, because MCA is not a big enough label, but, um, didn't say we're not putting this out without a power ballad. Cause by 89, like you had to have a power ballad on your album.
1: Yeah, So I didn't get to it at the top of the show But we did get comments at the Patreon About this uh, Album and we'll have the Poll results at the end But I wanted to read through some of them Because they echo some of what we've uh, mentioned But also add some new stuff So Phil Hampton said great album Though the live versions on the live Injection EP Are even better Uh, Richard Waterman said another great hard rock album From the year 1989 There needs to be an 80s rock roundtable For 1989 um, so many great releases from this year. This one starts with what sounds like the intro to Pearl Jam's 10. It has a fretless bass ambient noise intro. It does. That's, I, 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 that's funny,
2: it. man. I have a Pearl Jam note on that on that song. I didn't really? call it out, but I have a Pearl Jam 10 feel for that song. That's crazy.
1: Um, he said, love the guitar. Oh, oh wait. He said, um, it has a fretless bass ambient intro. Great one 2 punch with, this, with track two. Uh, there's a nice drum sound throughout the record. Uh, love the guitar at the start of breaking up a heart of stone. Uh, cool chorus too. the bass playing st- throughout his hooky. The album tails off a bit towards the end, but ends strongly with sweet little razor. Joe Lesty, Lesty uh, does a great job with the sound of the album would go on to become one of the main producers of new metal in the early to mid two thousands. I did not know that. Um, I've always loved cow Kyle cows earrings on the front cover Uh they were cool-looking band in general. I can't see his earrings in my small uh, thumbnail album cover. You know, um,
0: they, they were, they, they were, they were like, they were. You know, there was also that look and feel of that time period, like uh, the Lost Boys look. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like they were, they, like, these guys were actually vampires. They kind of had, like, yeah. They could have been, they could have been as part of the Lost Boys gang. That's
2: what that was. What I'm trying was trying to describe. Like the that's what. um Like Ellie Guns evolves to that look.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh,
1: Darren Lehman said, there's a lot to like musically on this album. The hurdle for me is the lead singer's voice. I kept wishing it was Chuck Mosley and that this was early Faith No More. That's interesting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Kyle Bittner said, some pretty sweet grooves going on here, but the vocals were truly the hit and miss factor. I preferred the lower register singing as opposed to the high-pitched wails. Wailing, that would be another way to describe it uh better ep gavin said i have to go where the album just to have bang tango here surely the worst band um worst band name ever or or because he said he he typed that wrong but anyway um i had the following album dancing on coals and always kind of thought it was the thinking man's hair metal clearly an oxymoron (laughs) but i think now they're just hair metal for people who don't like hair metal it's an interesting way to put it um and darren leach said now that's an 80s album cover all about the beautiful hair and Richard said also the cheekbone. Ian McIver did not vote. So
0: my le- goal
2: is to just get Ian to vote one record um, better EP. That's all. Okay. That's okay. That's my goal for the so whole
0: podcast. Before the ratings though, I, uh, there's a couple of things to point. So I talked about Beautiful Creatures. They got signed to Warner Brothers. Yeah. In, they were in, in that post
2: Buck Cherry sort of surge. Yeah, and there.
0: It, to me, that's a surprise. because like, 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 80s hair metal guys trying to form bands like didn't go over well and the fact that i think you're right they sort of they sort of were just skirting that hair metal thing which meant that like he didn't have the stain of mascara left over from the 80s and they were kind of like all right we'll give you a shot at something you know amazing there there was Um, like
2: a little push at that time to try to get like
0: bands like that
2: i I think because of buck cherry there was the um band that nikki six did with tracy Gunn's
0: was oh, called? brides of destruction yeah
2: there was like this little like push of signing bands like that or creating super groups yeah. like that to try to get some momentum around this
1: what was 6 a.m was that like a mickey six that was a sick <laughs> mickey six joint too right
0: yeah i actually don't know who was in beautiful creatures i'm gonna look that up but uh but but joe apparently had a stroke in august 2023 oh wow oh. and i also hope he's know, doing okay again before we get to uh our ratings. Um, so they did do one reunion show original lineup in 20. It looks like 2021 and uh, Mark Knight took to Facebook after the gig and said, just wanted to say I'm no longer part of the band bang. Tango. bet <laughs> My best to them and whoever may carry the torch time to move on time to get going. What lies ahead. I have no way of knowing. So uh, apparently the, he was a one and done reunion lineup. Maybe something pretty terrible happened and he, had no interest in continuing
1: okay um do we want to get to our ratings here let's
0: do it okay
1: gentlemen jay
2: i'm uh, i'm gonna go with a better ep so i've got the whole first half of the record up till track four breaking up heart of stone and take your pick either love injection or do what you're told um to round it out and I think you got a solid EP. I mean, it's only what a forty-one minute long record at ten tracks, but unfortunately, the second half is just so weak. Like, if this, if I had this on vinyl, I don't think I would ever flip it over.
0: <laughs> <laughs> where Would you land it, Chip? Uh, you know, it's so weird. I I went into it thinking I was gonna say uh, album, and then as I really like again, Shotgun Man, just for you. Like, I'm definitely landing on EP. I I think. I could, I think, I think as an EP, if like the four, like attack of life, someone like you wrap my wings. Yeah. Like you said, almost the the first half. Um, and then I would also throw in, I do like, don't stop now. I, even though it's faster, pussycat, like I think it would make a, one of my favorite EPs ever, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I I can only go EP. I I don't think it's a great full album. I think there's enough that you could cut from it. All Um, right.
2: We three, three three for three here, Tim.
0: Yeah, I
1: think we are. I would take the first four songs, plus Don't Stop Now and Love Injection. So I would be at six songs. Not, not enough to make a 70s album. That's yeah. that's still an EP. Yeah. So, Or maybe like a 10-inch with like three songs per side. Something like that. But uh, yeah, I think there's just enough here to get to that. Um, on Patreon, it was 43% worthy album, 29% better EP, 29% decent single. So like that's that's actually different that's uh they our patrons like this more than we did
0: with all those with that with uh, the album well Good. yes and no right i mean less than half i mean you yeah it's, it it's different than ours but but basically
1: about 7 out of 10 out of the thousands who voted uh wanted either an album or an ep
0: yeah
2: but there was a decent single on there
1: yes there was a decent so it wasn't ian he said so uh he didn't vote poor Ian we got to get some we got to get some stuff for him in in the in the queue uh well this was cool I'm glad I picked this because I had no idea <laughs> what it was
0: I swear my uh... next pick
1: I'll actually know like I will I will I'm picking a record that I actually have spent time with because of like, I previously mentioned that we were going to cover some of the
0: songs So, do we give teasers? Do we? Are we going to talk about what the next one is? We can. Do we know what the next one is? I don't know if we. Do we know, Tim? Did you you schedule the next?
1: I actually, I think (laughs) I did. Give me one second. I think it's.
0: I think it's it's my pick. Okay. What do you got? Salty dog. Every dog has its day.
1: I believe that's correct. All right.
0: I'm excited to talk about that one. Is that 89 as well? It's pretty late, right? Yeah, 89 or 90. Yeah. Yep. That'll be a good one. I have never heard of a note by that band. Awesome. Awesome.
2: Wasn't a member living in Columbus for a
0: while? Yes, sir. Oh, we'll talk all about that. Okay. We'll Let talk about that. I, that there. I, I, I leaked Ron Keel. Nope. I leaked with permission from said member, the unreleased second record on my website. Well, Whoa. I'll tell you all about that next time. I'll tell you all about the next time. Stay tuned. Un, uh, cliffhanger. A cliffhanger. Midnight records. <laughs> on uh on mega upload.com okay <laughs> yeah we've got the
1: next three planned out that we'll just tease the next one but we have the next three uh episodes planned out but if you at home or in the car or at the wherever you're listening to this would like to maybe suggest a record uh you can do so uh by submitting it at digmeoutpodcast.com you Bo- know podcast.com just go to the suggest an album page um drop it in there leave us a note what what you're picking why you're picking it that kind of thing we I have got you some know i think suggestions and
0: yeah as you say I, I i jay's doing some guerrilla marketing in the uh, reddit hair metal community and so hopefully some of the people in that community are listening to this podcast because uh uh i think that that that, that they would all like it. I mean, I, I'm I'm part of that community as well, so I would like to listen to this podcast. I hope they're enjoying this podcast, and I hope that they threw some. Can suggest- they they threw they threw suggestions in, in the in the Reddit thread, but they haven't submitted them. So get it <laughs> get it in through the website, guys.
1: You got to get it in the website because what happens is when it goes into the website, it falls down this tube, and then our little intern <laughs> grabs it out of the tube tube and sticks it into the um the the queue of of albums and there's like a conveyor belt and each album goes up the conveyor belt and then it falls in like a in like a what's the guy who makes nonsense machines uh what's the the i forgot what his name is um, you know he did the okay they oh, there's an okay go oh, video like yeah, yeah. like his stuff anyway what i'm saying is get an album suggested to us and eventually it'll make it into a poll and then you could join us at patreon to vote on those polls Yeah, we should have
2: our first poll in about ready on Patreon in three weeks. I'm going to post it. So you got some time to get over there, and uh, you'll be able to pick what record we review after we get through our... We've got a couple lined up here, personal picks. But then after that, Mm -hmm. we're hoping that they're all patron picked. We also do tiers where you can just skip the line and um, make your own pick and come on the podcast with us. We do that on the 90s podcast all the time, so...
1: It's like you're going you to Disney that you
2: that you want to geek out about for an hour and uh, break down with us. You can do that.
1: You get that fast pass. You, you can skip the line. Right. That's sweet, sweet fast pass, which uh, those prices are astronomical. Now <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going back to Disney. I would have to take out a loan to go to Disney at this point. It's insane. Uh, happiest place on earth. It's uh, cheaper just to go to actual Paris. Yeah. Seriously.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah um substack that's where you go to read the newsletter for both we have separate ones one for right Jay. we have one for just our 80s metal pod podcast and then also for uh, our 90s rock podcast if
2: right. you go if you go to the website digmeonpodcast.com you'll see a little newsletter sign up just sign up there you'll get you'll get everything Excellent. emailed to you so
1: and then easy, apple podcasts easy. is where you go to leave positive feedback for us in case you don't know you can listen to this on like pretty much every service we're on the spotify we're on the 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 apple Podcasts, overcast uh pod whatever i don't know there's like a million pod things out there podcaster
2: podcatcher
1: Podbean, not pod pod alley google
2: does amazon have something
1: uh i think they do i don't know if we're on there or not um Yeah. So for Jay and Chip, I'm Tim. And we'll be back next time with another episode of Dig Me Out 80s Metal.